Welcome. You're listening to Gravity Healthcare Hacks with your host, Melissa Brown, Chief Operating Officer from Gravity Healthcare Consulting and self-professed healthcare nerd. Monthly, we will provide industry expertise and tips to help keep your feet firmly on the ground in the world of healthcare. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast. Today, we're going to be discussing in-house and in-trouble, the challenges of therapy under PDPM. As many of you know, I'm an occupational therapist, and I worked providing direct resident care for over 15 years in skilled nursing. I also served as a compliance officer and clinical liaison for several contract rehab companies. I have done it all. I've worked uh, for in-house programs, under management agreement, and with contract rehab. I've seen some new and inventive ways to approach therapy under PDPM. And I've also had a front row seat to see some of the pitfalls and mistakes that have been made by some programs, especially some in-house programs. Now, don't get me wrong. There are times when a program can remain in-house with the right oversight and see amazing results. Gravity actually offers these hybrid services. And what we've seen is the consulting cost gets lower and lower over time while the margin continues to grow. So it can work. But the key is having some oversight through the right model for your community. So let's examine some of the positives and the pitfalls of various approaches. I want to share with you an example of one building I audited about four years ago. They had been in-house for 20 years. Most of the therapists were only 50% productive and everyone was paid at the 90th percentile or higher. And quite frankly, outcomes were not good. Most residents hadn't even been screened by therapy in the last few years much less evaluated and treated by therapy. And the end result of the outdated in-house approach was a compliance score of 25% and a loss of $33,000 a month in the department, just in one building with about 100 skilled beds. In six months, with the expert consulting oversight provided by Gravity, this same department increased to $30,000 to $40,000 profits per month, average productivity was over 75%, and compliance was 90% or higher. This particular corporate entity decided not to right-size the salaries, so all this was accomplished without lowering pay. And probably what is most important, and part of what I want to hone in on today, is that we only lost two of 18 employees in this transition. That's right, only 11% turnover rate with such dramatic and dynamic changes in the department. And what does this tell us? It informs us that the actual therapists are rarely the barrier to success using the same therapist who now received appropriate compliance and operational training and oversight, along with clinical mentorship, we were able to achieve these goals and we've maintained them for several years now, honestly, even building upward from there. Yes, in this case, we did need to remove the director rehab, but that was because he was not plugged in at all and he was not open to change. I've seen it work many times without having to make even this change with the director. So let's break it down a little and talk about the challenges of in-house programs and why oversight is so very necessary. Let's start with basic operations, revenue and margins. We'll set aside salaries at this point and touch on them later. So let's just discuss Medicare and therapy revenue. What we see all the time when we do these rehab audits at Gravity, we actually just did another one in the last few months and we already started up with the consulting support to get them back on track. Well, what we see is that they have anemic revenue. Usually Medicare A PDPM revenue is not optimized in the sense that key clinical indicators that could contribute to overall and therapy per diems are not managed well or documented correctly. For example, the facility may just use therapy data for Section GG instead of correctly using nursing data as well, 
which will increase reimbursement and outcomes. You can learn more about that in my previous podcast about IPAs. I just did a pro forma for a contract rehab proposal in an in-house community. And what we saw was that the in-house community achieved $222 less per day in PDPM per diems than the average with this therapy group in the same geographical region. The impact for that community would be well over $600,000 annually just by improving the accuracy of the PDPM score. So having the right therapy partner, whether through hybrid therapy consulting and ownership management agreement or with contract rehab can impact well beyond the financials of just the therapy department. Additionally, Medicare B is always low in every in-house program I've audited. Often they're seeing about 5 to 15% Part B utilization of the long-term care population, whereas best practice dictates that an average of 40% of the long-term care population should be on therapy caseload at any given time. If you're in-house, it would be a good thing to look into this and see how your community is faring. Some of the clinical side effects of poor Part B management are things like residents that fall repeatedly and therapy says there's just nothing they can do. Residents who have poor wheelchair alignment and therapy hasn't been willing to treat them. And your quality measures, are they triggering for ADLs and mobility that have worsened in the long-term care population? What we find is not usually that the therapists are lazy or negligent, but they legitimately don't have any strategies to try to address these losses. They lack clinical oversight and mentorship, which can make a huge impact in your long-term care program in a short time. Make sure they have someone or a team of people, ideally, to reach out to that can give them a variety of evidence-based treatment ideas to help them successfully treat long-term care issues like falls, contractures, wheelchair positioning and management, and functional declines. So now let's talk salaries. What we've seen over and over again is the salaries for in-house programs are unnecessarily inflated. And this is due to a variety of issues. Many in-house programs make the mistake of having the same HR policies for therapy that they do for the entire campus. And therapy needs to be governed by practices that are appropriate to therapy. So, for example, many of our nonprofit corporate partners have a cost of living raise annually. However, this is not a reasonable approach in therapy because Medicare keeps cutting therapy pay year over year. We just had a 5.5% pay cut for Medicare B in 2021, and that's not an atypical amount of yearly impact. The truth is that Medicare is paying less for therapy services than ever before, and there's no indication that these cuts are stopping anytime soon. Because of this reality, salaries should remain between the 50th and 75th percentile, and raises should be merit-based only for therapists. Now let's talk minutes. Some providers have begun to consider taking their therapy programs in-house or with the oversight of a management agreement because therapy minutes are not prescribed under PDPM as they were under RUGS 4. We've seen many providers do this, only to come running back to contract rehab six to 12 months later. But providers want to make sure that residents' needs are still served through clinically appropriate levels of therapy services. They might fear that therapy companies are going to slash minutes to target margins rather than focusing on the residents' goals and outcomes. And this concern has been verified by John Kane, who's the CMS PDPM lead. He told us that providers with poor outcomes and outlier minutes will be targeted. There were projections everywhere in the pre-PDPM era that therapy companies were going to excessively cut minutes under PDPM, but the data just doesn't bear that out. Most companies studied by Gravity were found to made only a 10 to 20% cut in minutes overall in the transition from RUGS 4 to PDPM. 
More residents are now provided with 450 to 550 minutes about an RV of therapy per week, which is correlated with the same outcomes as those in the ultra, the RU category, according to research conducted by Hyung Jung about therapy dosing. Additionally, residents in this therapy range are 3.1% more likely to return home versus those who received less minutes. Managed Medicare companies have been pushing this evidence-based range of therapy treatment for over five years, which has proven therapists can do more with less. Shorter lengths of stay with moderately reduced therapy minutes yield the same functional outcomes and discharges to home when governed by a clinically strong therapy team. As I mentioned earlier, under PDPM, many providers have considered going in-house or to a management agreement so they can have complete control of the therapy services delivered under PDPM. However, most providers lack the unique knowledge base of how therapy services can and should be delivered, according to critical pathways and evidence-based practice, which includes therapy dosing amounts. When we're talking about therapy minutes, the decision for the number of minutes is actually per regulation at the therapist's discretion. So no one can dictate to the therapist how many minutes a resident should receive, and the final determination must come from the therapist. Having said that, therapists benefit from outside input from other therapy clinicians to examine all relevant aspects. While the final decision is ultimately up to the therapists, therapists are often open to clinical advice from other therapists, especially in their same discipline, when provided with sound guidance. Often, therapists without oversight make decisions based upon mood or personal needs rather than clinical data. And you know, that might seem a little harsh, but real life experience has demonstrated this to me over and over again. Even when you change out a regional manager or a compliance officer without changing any of the therapists, operations and compliance can be drastically improved in a matter of weeks, demonstrating something we have known for a long time. The old saying, a fish stinks at the head. When leadership is sourced well and trained to lead correctly, empowered with accurate information and guidance, they can lead any team to victory. Rarely does a team need replaced to see changes, but the right leadership in the therapy department is key. And this best practice leadership often emerges most from great contract rehab partners. Third-party independent oversight of the therapy department offers a clinical assessment regardless of therapist's personal needs and wants. In reality, therapists will tend to do things like increase skilled minutes to artificially inflate productivity or increase their paid hours, increase frequencies for residents based upon wanting more paid hours, and cut skilled or long-term care minutes to reduce hours based on their own personal schedule needs. Now, I don't wanna paint every therapist with the same brush, but we have to be honest about what happens in many clinics in real life. And these are the indicators that can often impact minutes dosing without the appropriate oversight. A quality contract therapy provider or consulting agreement establishes a range of clinically appropriate minutes for each PDPM therapy CMG and couples those minutes with evidence-based clinical pathways. The contract company holds therapists accountable to those clinical guide rails, allowing for therapist discretion when clinically indicated, but upholding appropriate and beneficial therapy frequency and dosing of therapy minutes per treatment day, which protects the SNF provider and results in improved outcomes. You know, I could sit here and talk about therapy, PDPM, and the various models for hours, and I'm sure we'll continue to feature information about this in future podcasts. But what I want to leave you with today is what the evidence, the research has shown us. Therapy departments need good oversight and clinical mentorship. 
please don't try to go it alone. I know from experience that reimbursement, compliance, operations, and resident outcomes suffer. Get the help you need and with the type of program that fits your organizational culture best. Consider hybrid therapy consulting or an ownership management agreement or contract rehab. But if you aren't seeing your therapy department produce the second highest reimbursement in your SNF after pharmacy, or if they've become a cost source rather than a revenue source, now is the time to reconsider. Reach out to me directly if you want an independent third-party audit of your program. Providers need to seek out all accurate and appropriate reimbursement to emerge successfully from the other side of the pandemic. Thanks for joining us. And if you enjoyed today's content, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. Remember, it's not just what you know, but how you apply it that makes all the difference. See you next time.